1: Remember, the reason why Paul is writing to Timothy, he sent Timothy out to this church in Ephesus. Timothy, I want you to go to Ephesus. That church is growing. However, there's some issues there. You need to go straighten these things out. You need to put things in order because God is a God of order and his church should be in order. Leadership should be in order. Everything should be in order. And so the first requirement he says in verse 8, likewise deacon, be reverent.
0: It doesn't take much exploration to see that all of creation is precisely orchestrated, put together with purpose and order. Pastor Eddie will share today from 1 Timothy that God's intent for order is essential in church leadership. To have everything run smoothly, as intended by God, certain qualities needed to be met for each different role within the body of Christ. And today, we're looking at the qualifications of deacons. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3. As he begins his message, qualifications of deacons. The
1: First Timothy, Chapter Three. Paul writes, likewise, deacons must be reverent. Not double tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and a great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourselves in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. Well, Chapter 2, we saw Paul address the issue about men and women in the church. That's in chapter 2. In our last study, we looked at chapter 3 in verses 1 through 7. And there, Paul gave us the qualification of overseers. Overseers pointed out to bishops, pastors, elders of the church. And these titles, pastor, bishop, elders, they are interchangeably used throughout the scripture. They use simultaneously and it all means one thing. It's We use the word pastor. for So for our study's sake, we would like to use the word pastor. Because a pastor does it is a title, it gives more than just oversee. It shepherds the flock. And we see that throughout the scriptures. So we, we saw that if a man desires the position of an overseer, a pastor, there, was, there were 16 requirements. And those requirements are not only for a senior pastor, they're for every believer, however it's written pointing to pastors, leaders, because they have to have these qualities. They must qualify. They have to have these requirements in order to be in the office of a bishop or pastor overseer. And so if a man desires to be a pastor or leader in the house of God, they need to read verses 1 through 7. And it's more than just a desire. You know, you can have the desire to build a building, but you don't have the knowledge, <laughs> it's dangerous, right? And so you need to, it's not a novice, it's one who's been in the Lord for some time, and make sure it's a calling. Now we find ourselves in verses 8 through 16, the second half of chapter 3. And here the Apostle Paul now give us the qualification of a deacon in the church. And I know when people hear the word deacon, sometimes they think a deacon is a uh, uh, different denominations, use their positions, biblical titles, different ways. However, we like to stick to the scriptures. Uh, some churches, deacons overpower pastors. That's not biblical. <laughs> and they hire and fire the pastor. That's not biblical either. <laughs> so this is why it's important for you to know, for you to know what are my qualifications are as a pastor, what the deacons of this church, their qualification as a deacon, and, and everyone else that serves. It's important for you to know. Because some, you ask the questions, and you know, I've been to some churches, and the deacon do this, and the pastor does this, or so we don't have a title bishop. And this is why it's important for you to know that there is qualifications that we must meet according to the word of God. And this morning, we're going to look at the the qualification of a deacon. And before we begin our verse-by-verse study, would you keep your finger on 1 Timothy chapter 3 and turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 6. The book of Acts chapter 6, okay, it's right between the gospel of John and, and, and Romans, the book of Romans, Acts chapter 6. Just... A few days after the birth of the church, after the day of Pentecost, when the church first began, the Holy Spirit poured out upon the apostles, and total of 120 people in the upper room. And the church began to multiply in the thousands. And here we find where the twelve apostles, who were the twelve disciples, and then after Christ has risen, and now the church began, now they call apostles because they're the sent-out ones. So the 12 apostles, of course, minus Judas, Matthias, the lot fell on him. They got together, and there was a problem in the church. And, <laughs> go figure. There's a problem in every church. Find one that doesn't have a problem. <laughs> Don't go there, because then you mess it up, right? And the reason why there's a problem in church is because why? what? You know, people, right? It's made up of people. And there was trouble in the beginning. And we're going to see how the, the apostles first called for the ministry of deacons. This is where it all began. Let's look at verse 1 of chapter 6 of the book of Acts. Luke writes, Now in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve table. This is why it's important. The pastor shouldn't do everything. Sometimes the pastor has to do things. It is what it is, depending on the the size and the availability of people. Because if I have to take away my time from studying this, you're going to get a lot of, uh, (laughs) what you're going to get is a lot of motivational speaking. (laughs) And you're going to get a lot of Eddie. You're not going to get the word. And so that's why it's important that we study. So he said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve table. He said, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. They have to have a good reputation for the Holy Spirit. They must be filled with the Holy Spirit. It must be evident in their lives and wisdom, wisdom, godly wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer, and to the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, and Timon, and Parminus, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. They were ordained, these seven men. And so this is where we get deacons. This is how the early church began with the ministry of deacons is important. And so let us turn now back to our text this morning, 1 Timothy chapter 3. And we're going to look at two things here. We're going to look in verses 8 through 13. In verses 8 through 13, the apostle Paul would give us the qualification of a deacon. And there are 10 requirements. Unlike for a bishop, there's 16. For a deacon, there's 10. In verses 14 to 16, Paul would give us the mystery of godliness. The mystery of godliness. And so we read our text. Let us now study our text verse by verse. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 8. He writes, likewise deacons. Likewise deacons. In other words, just as their qualification requirements for the bishop, the pastor, so too their requirements for a deacon. Leaders are to represent Christ and they are to be... Christ-like, especially when they are leading and ministering to the people of God in the house of God. Now, the word deacon here in the Greek is diakonos, diakonos, and it means a waiter, one who serves food and drink to serve a king. Now, if you tell a deacon who sits on the podium uh, with a three-piece suit and sitting on a gold chair... Some of those churches, you tell them, you tell them the def- definition of a deacon, they're not going to like that definition. And the same is with the word minister, because the word minister in the Greek means a servant. Somehow, they have turned it around. They want to be served instead of serving. And that's a problem. Diakonos, ones that serve and serve the king, And though we see that in in a deacon, as far as practical duties of a deacon, we see that in Acts chapter 6, in serving tables, caring for the physical needs of the church and the people. We also see here, as we're going to study that, there are also spiritual requirements for a deacon. So it's not only serving tables. This is why the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, has given the deacon a list of requirements in 1 Peter. Remember, the reason why Paul is writing to Timothy, he sent Timothy out to this church in Ephesus. Timothy, I want you to go to Ephesus. That church is growing. However, there's some issues there. You need to go straighten these things out. You need to put things in order because God is a God of order and his church should be in order. Leadership should be in order. Everything should be in order. And so the first requirement he says in verse 8, likewise, deacon, be reverent. Be reverent. A deacon must be reverent. Now, the Greek word for reverent here is semnos. Semnos, you can always almost sound in English serious. It's serious. It means he needs to be serious. He needs to be dignified. That's the first requirement for a deacon. In other words, a deacon is to be serious in mind and in character. That does not mean that he needs to be a strict, cold, joyless person. Like if he's sucking lemon. No, that's not what he's saying. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to have a good time when we do that here. And usually I'm the end of the joke. But that's okay. But he needs to be serious in mind and in character. Uh, and this is, again, this is applicable for all of us. So, again, you may say to yourself, well, okay, this, this study of a qualification of a deacon, does not really necessarily apply to me? Yes, it does. These are godly characters, and if we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ, and if we want to be a a, a light into the world, we want to be Christ-like, these are the qualities that we should have. However, the reason why he's addressing deacons, because they should be above reproach. They should be leading by example. They should be experienced, not a novice, if you will. And so it's applicable for us. The issues of the church must be taken seriously. It must be serious when, when we're in worship, when we're in prayer service. It must be taken seriously. The men's ministry, the women's ministry, the children's ministry, whatever wherever you are, wherever you're serving or a part of, it should be serious, it should be reverent. Now, that has faded away. I grew up in church, and I've seen the changes in the church. Some changes are okay and they're good, but I've seen churches where there is no reverence. They don't care what they put who they have in the podium, they don't care if they're entertaining, if they got the smoke screen lights and everything else. There is no respect, there's no reverence. There needs to be, he needs to be reverent. And so, we need every single one of us now, only the deacon, now, only the bishop must be reverent when it comes to the things of God. The second requirement he is not to be double tongued double-tongued. Now, nowhere else in the New Testament is this word used. These two words are only used here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. Double-tongued. And the Greek word for that is dilogos. Dilogos. And it means saying the same thing twice and repeating, a double-speech. Also means saying one thing with one person, another with another. Another thing with another person. So no, it's with the intent to deceive. Repeating is not a problem. There's nothing wrong with repeating the exact words. We say things in repetition so we could learn to warn important lessons, instructions. The Bible is always reminding us of things. Remember, remember, remember. Why? Because we forget. We're forgetful by nature. There's nothing wrong, but when you repeat something that shouldn't be said, that's a problem. That is gossip that's gossip. And that applies for all Christians. When we share something, don't repeat something that should be kept private, or not to expose someone else. That's a sin, and that brings division. And that happens a lot, not only in family, but it happens a lot in church. A deacon Here's the deal. Deacon spends a lot of his time around people, helping people, knowing people's personal things, knowing you know leadership things that should be kept with the leaders, and those are things that should not be exposed to anyone. And you may say, "Well, why we, well, we cannot know?" Well, it's the same thing. Would you tell your five year old that you have financial problems? When I raising my kids, I never shared my kids all our problems. It was between my wife and I. My kids don't need to know that. How can they help? they're not mature enough to understand these things if a leadership expect to have experience and be mature spiritually there's certain things that need to be kept quiet confidential and that's where it is damaging so he needs to not be double-tongued need to be careful especially when he knows about certain things about other people not be double-tongued the third requirement of a deacon is not given to much wine this is different from the bishop Remember, we studied the qualification of a bishop when it comes to wine and alcohol. In verse 3, 1 Timothy 3, verse 3, it says, not given to wine, not given to wine. Here he says, not given to much wine. And the idea is that the deacon shouldn't be addicted. He shouldn't be an alcoholic. He shouldn't be a sipping saint, Okay. And there's nothing wrong. Again, we need, there's nothing wrong with alcohol. It's not a sin. The Bible does say sin, but the Bible actually points us and tells us to stay away from it. Stay away from it. The alcohol and the wine is totally different than in those days and in the days today because they didn't have clean running water. And so in order, they would use the wine diluted, and it was diluted. Sometimes they add raisins. They'll add, um, not only raisins, they'll add uh, some kind of dates just to, or citrus, just to clean it, and that's what they would do. But today we've have abused it. Is it's fermented and, and and it's it's abused and oh that you need oh that's not that's light, <clears throat> tastes great, less filling. You know it's like so many people. Some only old people know about that commercial. Anyway, but you know you start saying oh that's not going to give you a kick. You know, but here he's telling you not to get too much wine. In other words, a pastor and a deacon is of no good to the church, to himself or anyone around him if he gets drunk. He doesn't qualify for the ministry. And it goes also for substance abuse. And people want to say, well, they're passing legal laws. Yeah, there's, a there's a marijuana store down the road. Let's just go. Is it a sin? Yes, it's a sin. Forget about the law. It's what causes you to think differently? It's an alt- anything that alters your way of thinking is wrong. You shouldn't take it. Just because it's natural doesn't mean you got to take it. There's a lot of things that are natural you don't smoke. So he shouldn't be a sipping saint. He shouldn't be a puffing pastor. (laughs) Anything that alters your way of thinking instead of the Holy Spirit. See, that's what we want. We want nothing from the flesh to alter our thinking and to lead God's people. Nothing should be the Holy Spirit and just the Holy Spirit itself. So he says, you know, he's not to give too much wine, but the important thing is this. And this applies also for all of us, whether you're thinking or not or plan or whatever. For all of us, we must ask ourselves, is it going to cause someone else to stumble if I drink? That's the important thing. That's the important thing. Look what 1 Corinthians chapter 8 tells us. He said, beware lest somehow this liberty of yours, we have liberty, becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. Because if you cause them to fall, guess who sinned? You. Yes, you have liberty, but you cause someone else to fall, you sinned. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And so we need to ask ourselves, and this is for all of us, not only for deacons and pastors, is it is not, that could, it's not could I, the question is should I? Should I do this? And if you use this liberty to say, well, I don't care, then you probably are addicted to it. The same thing for coffee. That's right, coffee. I don't have coffee for two days, I get a headache. It tells me I'm addicted to it. I love coffee every morning. But if I say, I got to have it, I got to have it. And I see people post things on Facebook, it's like, ah. You know, their face before coffee. Just give me my cup. Monday morning. Okay, you're obviously in the flesh. (laughs) The fourth requirement for a deacon is not greedy for money. Not greedy for money. Now, no one actually says, you know what? When I graduate from high school, I'm going to go to college and see if I make it a career as a deacon. Okay? I'm going to pay the... Tens of thousands of dollars of tuition, and hopefully, I get a six figure job in the church as a deacon. Nobody, you're not gonna, if you wanna make money, a deacon is not the way to do it, or a pastor for that matter, unless you're one of those TV evangelists. Yeah, those TV evangelists are gonna answer to God. Deacon should not be greedy for money. In other words, he must not use his office as a means to make money. I've been a part of a church where they have allowed this pyramid scheme. It was sad years ago. It wasn't a Calvary job, But There was another church in the city. They allowed it. The pastor and the pulpit say, "Yeah, it's okay." We talked it with the elders. They didn't talk to all the elders, and yeah, because why? Everybody was tithing off the pyramid scheme, bringing money, dirty money, illegal money in the house of God. They were using the directory just to catch people in. Hey, listen, yeah, we got going to tell you, listen, you want to make some money? How about this? And it was really sad. It divided the church. There was even death, divorce. People went bankrupt because of it. And if you remember back in Acts chapter 6, the problem of the daily distribution, you know, deacons were responsible in the distribution as in those days and even today. And oftentimes that includes the handling of money and as part of their official duties, uh, taking care of the, uh, uh, the, the tithes and offering. And so Paul gives this requirement because there can be a temptation for anyone. And we're glad that we have a system here. There's two people counting the tithe Every week, four teams, two every Sunday, the following Sunday, the following Sunday. Not a couple, not Bunny and Clyde counting the tithe, but they pray. And there's there's this observation in that. Because what happened, this is exactly what happened. Even Jesus with the disciples, you know, you remember Judas, right? (laughs) What does it say about Judas in John chapter 12, verse 6? It says, not that he, speaking of Judas, cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often, often stole some for himself.
0: You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Have you ever wondered why there are so many letters written in the New Testament? 1 Timothy is just one of many letters that gives you some insights into the ministry that was happening after the time that Jesus lived here on earth. There were struggles and there were successes. But you realize that as great as these missionaries and pastors were, they also were just human. They had strengths, weaknesses, discouragements, and moments of triumph. Isn't it great to know and to relate to people in the Bible? They're spiritual pillars in some ways. But you come to realize that they were people that God used, just like He can use you in this time and place. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. Once again, That website is runningtheraceradio.com. We hope you'll refer to our website for additional resources that include hearing these messages again or learning about the church behind the ministry. Join us again for another edition of Running the Race.